0: Morning. Oh, there it is. Wow, it's been a while. I'm glad to see you all and uh, thankful to be here today. Man, the uh, one thing that uh, you ought to know before we get started today, the kids being in the room, it's such a cool thing. It's such a different kind of thing. It, you're going to be loud. If your kids are loud, they're kids. Let them be loud. All right. Um, if they're, if they're going to uh, run around, whatever they do, you know, it, it's part of having them with us today. So um, I've been doing this for 25 years. I can deal with it. So um, let them let them do let them be kids today, and we're glad they're with us. Um, man, it's it's cool to be here today. I I got to be honest. You know, I, it's been a while since I've been around you guys, and um, so much has happened in my life since I was last here. I've got new friends. I've got um, my family from Fort Wayne, um, who, as you know, um, before I left. Um, We were all praying really hard for my father-in-law, who uh, was pretty ill. And I got to tell you, he's here today. I don't want to embarrass him, but he is in the room today. Um, And uh, and so I'm just my father-in-law's here, my mother-in-law's here. We got them moved from Fort Wayne to Ellettsville um, in the last few weeks, and um, so they are deeply ingrained in the Ellettsville culture, meaning they have eaten at We Willies already. And uh, so we, uh, things, a lot of things have happened. I got buddies here in the back row. I don't want to embarrass them either, but um, they're, uh, they're here today to, uh, to kind of support me guys that work with me who, um, and I'll tell you why they're here today. I think I, maybe I'm making this up, but I'll tell you why they're here today. It's because all of us are kicking around what this whole thing is, you know, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I, I'm the guy standing on the stage today and I, I don't know why the kids are waving palm branches sometimes. Like, what are we doing? You know, and, and they're just like me. And maybe some of you are just like me today where you're going, man, I hope this is real. <laughs> like, I hope this is right. I hope that what we're talking about, I hope that what we're singing, the words we're singing up here that we don't sing any other time. And we don't use those words outside of church, but we come into church and we sing them. I hope those mean something other than just music. I come today to, to talk to you about a time in our lives that happens every year that if we're not careful, we just let pass by our lives as another hallmark holiday or as another opportunity for us to do some really weird things with holidays like Easter bunnies to celebrate Jesus. I still don't understand it. Um, and if we're not careful, this thing just goes by us and it, it walks away from our lives. And one more time, we maybe let religion take the place of what God wants to do with us. And so if you're kicking the tires on who God is and what he's doing and, and kind of trying to figure out what's real and what isn't, no matter what's going on in your life right now, whether you have believed this in the past and for some reason you just can't do it anymore, but maybe somebody's drugged you here over Easter, that happens all over Bloomington. Husbands get drugged out of their recliners all over Bloomington around Easter. And if you're here, take a deep breath, it's okay, you don't have to believe to, to dig, And that's what we're hoping you get a chance to do today. So I get a chance to be the preacher today um, in a place where nobody is paying me on a regular basis. I don't have a full-time job here. You can't fire me no matter what I say. And man, what a good opportunity for us just to figure out who God is, what he wants from us, and what all this stuff is about. So I want to do something that I do every time I try to figure this out, um, and to be honest, I'm reading books, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm talking to buddies, I am trying to figure out who God is and what he's doing all in my life in any way I can, but every time I do that without stopping first, I end up, it just becomes like another endeavor in my life where I get ADD and I start, oh, I've got to do this now, and then i got to do that, and then I think about this, and if you're not careful, you come in here and that same thing happens to you, and before you know it, we start talking about God and then you're thinking about what's in the pot roast, you know, or what's in the, what's in the crock pot at home, or, you know, about beating the the Baptist a Cracker Barrel, whatever it is. Um, So I want to just give you a deep breath right now and give you a chance, no matter what you believe, seriously, no matter what you believe today, even if you're not even sure what you believe today, I'm going to give you a chance to take a deep breath because you don't do it very often. You don't do it often enough. I don't either. And to be honest with you, I need it too, because I sat here today during worship and I didn't I, just to be honest, I wasn't totally engaged and I went back there and I got some water because I got choked up. And I wasn't sure if my sermon notes were going to be up here. I'm still not sure. I think they are, Larry. Uh, but but I, I don't even know exactly. I get nervous and I get messed up and I got buddies here and I got my in-laws here. And my in-laws make me nervous because I got to, I mean, their daughter is my wife, you know. I got to get this thing right. And so I, if I'm not careful, this thing becomes about me or it becomes all about what's going on in your life. If you could take a deep breath this morning with me before we get started talking about this Easter thing and the Palm Sunday thing. We'd love to just get a deep breath together. And what I'm going to do is just give you about 60 seconds, which is a long time. And I'm going I'm to just let the room be quiet, which is not going to be because we've got kids all over the place, and that's okay. But just give you 60 seconds to not put anything in your brain. <laughs> if you can just do that with me just for a second. I'll close this out in a quick prayer, and then I'll jump in this morning. Let's just take 60 seconds together. God, in the quiet of this room right now, we just give you the next 25 minutes. All right, 40 minutes. People know me around in here. We just give you this time. Whatever we believe, whatever's going on in our life, we keep our minds open, our hearts open. We didn't come from, for a good idea from John. We didn't come today for another self-help tutorial on how to do something with our life. We came today for truth, for hope. So I'll get out of the way. And would you speak into my heart as well? And we'll just listen. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So I will be here three times in the next seven days, um, which is a lot. (laughs) You don't have to clap for that. You may not be by the third time. We'll see. Um, But I get to do something I've never got to do. I've been preaching for 25 years, um, which is really weird to say. Um, I've been preaching for 25 years, and I have never done a three-week... spoken three times in the same week during Passion Week, but I got a chance. I got talking to the elders, and they said, hey, we've got this Easter opening, you know, and I thought, what would it be like if I got to come and say, what is this thing? If I got time to study and time to think about, what is this thing we're doing on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter? What are, how does all this fit together? Why do we do it? Why do we call it this, and what should it mean to our life? So I get the chance today, and then 6 o'clock on Friday night, and next Sunday morning, um, on Resurrection Sunday. Today, I'm going to talk about what is commonly referred to as the triumphal entry. I'm not going to call it that. I think there's a better name for it. The Bible doesn't call it that. There's just a heading that they, somebody put in there. So I'm going to call it something different. And then Friday, I'm going to talk about what we all call Good Friday. And then Sunday, I thought I might, uh, I thought I might talk about the resurrection on Sunday, on Easter um, and so, we'd love for you to, to join us on all three of those times. If you don't make it, this stuff will be out online, um, and you can listen to it there. But we'd love for you to do it, because this is going to be a continuous thought, I hope. We'll see. Um, I think that this is going to be a continuous thought from today through Easter to, to kind of figure out what it is we're doing here. You know, this morning, um, during that song, the kids were walking around with these palm branches. Um, and, you know, you start to go, oh, that's so... It's so heartfelt. And then you go, why, why are they walking around with heartbreak? What do you think our kids are thinking this morning? What would you do at church today? I have no idea. <laughs> I just waved a leaf while people sang. You know, but it's more than that. It's so much more than that. It came, it came from this piece of writing... And I'm going to call it a piece of writing because I think if we're not careful, we begin to think of this as a Disney movie. Um, we begin to think of this as a Disney story that was sometimes written. If you grew up like I did in church where they used the flannel graph boards and cartoons to tell me how my story. I just, I, it's Mickey Mouse all over if I'm not careful. So I want you to know today, I'm going to start with this first slide in John chapter 12, that this is a piece of writing from a historical historical document. There are are no scholars that that would tell you that John doesn't exist or that he wasn't a person. This is a man who is telling us exactly what happened um, from his perspective and from the perspective of people that were there that day as sort of a reporter on the scene. So we'll check this out. John chapter 12, verse 12. Can you grab that up there? Here it is. So John chapter 12, verse 12 says this, the next day, and we're going to jump into what he means. Anytime you see the next day in anything, you wouldn't just, this is funny how people read the Bible, isn't it? You wouldn't just open Harry Potter at page 38 and start reading, would you? You, you, you start to figure out the context of the whole thing, right? But people do this in the Bible all the time. They just open it, and they read things like the next day, and then they don't go back to see what in the world the context was about. We're going to do that today. The next day, though, this is the scene. The next day, the great crowd that had come for, uh, for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So in the midst of the beginning of this Palm Sunday story is this enormous, I mean enormous, crowd. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. And it's because of this big party that was going on in Jerusalem. They took palm branches, which is why our kids walked around with them today. And they went out to meet him and they shouted this word, Hosanna, which sounds like a religious churchy word because we sing it in songs and we don't, we sing it and don't even think about what we're singing. We just sing these songs sometimes when we say words, we don't mean them. But the word Hosanna is absolutely chock full of humanity. It is not religious at all. In fact, this word was used when someone needed help desperately. You know, we have, you think about it, we have 911. We call, we want help. (laughs) We can call 911 and and we say, I need help and I need it at this address. What they would say is they they may lay in a ditch, dying. They may lay somewhere in a bed, upset, sick, hurt. And they would, especially um, Hebrew people, would yell the word, Hazianah, Hazianah, And it meant this, save me. Help me. Give me something that I desperately can't provide for myself. Now, think about that word and the fact that your little babies walked around in this room today waving palm branches. Hasea. Give me something I can't give myself. Parents, grandparents, those of you who are in this room who desperately love those little guys waving those palm branches today, do not take for granted what is really going on in this story? This is not a Disney story. This is not something that we think might have happened. There are many of us who believe that this really happened. And if that's true, if it really did happen, then what this is is much more than just a, a, an opportunity for Hallmark to write a bunch more cards. This is an opportunity that God put in the middle of history to say to a group of people, I hear your cry for Haziana." Huge group of people said, "Haziana, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. And so, I want to stop this morning when I, we read that. I want to stop and say, "What do you believe? What do you believe about this for real? What is it?" That, and, and maybe the answer is, "I don't know." And man, that's a much better the answer than making something up. And the reason I'm asking that is because of uh, this time of year, man. Where if we're not careful, we just get into this this absolute religious. Point of view everywhere we go. In fact, if you go into any mall or in any um, Hallmark or card store right now, you'll see these Easter bunnies, which I just, I still don't understand. I feel like somebody at some point in history said, hey, we should celebrate Easter and we should sell some things to parents. What should we do? Well, we could make a big plush Jesus. That'd be a good idea. And then they said, no, that would offend religious people if we, if we sold a bobblehead Jesus, you know, at, at Easter. Well, then why? I got an idea. How about rabbits? <laughs> like, what's that have to do with Easter? Well, you're right. Maybe we should use eggs, you know. No, that doesn't have anything to do with Easter. But we just, we, if we're not careful, we do this. Look what we do to our children. Yeah, this is what Easter is to your kids if you're not careful. <laughs> These pictures are all over the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> do you see it? He says, that's me right there. Easter becomes this weird, odd thing to all of us that we just expect. So why did John write that down? Why did he tell this story about Jesus walking into this town with tons of people? Well, let's dig in a little deeper. So if we start from the beginning, John chapter 12, verse 9, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. So Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. He's riding um, basically a cult, a funny-looking horse, um, and he's riding this thing, very small animal, and he's riding it in Jerusalem, and people start to say, Jesus is is there. Jesus is there. Now there are historical documents all around the Bible that that confirm that this was an absolute huge event. And and so they came not just because of Jesus, but also because of a man named Lazarus. So one of the things as I've been studying this and trying to figure out what Passion Week is, is I'm realizing that there are two resurrections involved, two resurrection stories where people died and came back to life. And that's why we still talk about Easter. 2,000 years from, from the time that this happened, there were two resurrections that sort of bookend The Passion Week, the 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 second one, as you know, is Jesus, and we're going to talk about that next Sunday. But there was another one that bookended, and some of you may have read this before, and you may have studied this before, but not realize how close it actually happened to the events of Jesus. It was the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus was a man um, that uh, used to be a department store too. I don't know if any are old enough to remember Lazarus. Um, but he was a man that was a really good friend of Jesus. Um, again, a historical character we can point to in many other places than just the Bible. And he had he had sisters that were good friends with Jesus. And he died. He just he died, and Jesus wasn't there. And when when Jesus came finally to kind of late to the funeral, Lazarus had already been dead. He'd already started the decomposition. He'd already smelled. You know, and, and Jesus rose him from the grave. And that's another, that's a whole other sermon. But what we find out is that a whole group of people that buried Lazarus saw Jesus walk into this town. Now, take Disney out of this for a second. Don't cartoonize this thing. This is a real group of people that really historically says they saw this. They, that Jesus came into town and he saw his friend Lazarus. And then the Bible says that he, he cried. He, he cried because of what he saw with Lazarus. In fact, it's shortest if you're looking to memorize some Bible scripture, this is the best one to memorize. it 's it's, uh, it's that story, and it 's just Jesus wept it 's two words you know it 's a great piece of scripture to memorize. It's the only one I 've had memorized for a long time. Um, Jesus wept when he saw Lazarus, and when he saw and, but i don 't think it was about Lazarus because here 's the thing about Jesus. He knew the power and he knew where, where power was. What he, what he was crying about was his, the, the pain that came from death. And so he looks and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of this grave. And, and many people saw it. And, and, and he had smelled forever. And so he, he, they, he took off his, like his bandages that they had put around him. To, um, and and he, he lived. And at that point, many people were following Jesus. But when he took a dude who was smelling rotten dead and made him come back to life, crowd, Jesus' crowd got a lot bigger <laughs> really quick. Okay, so that's the context that we see. Jesus had just risen Lazarus from the dead when this happened, and the chief priests made a plan to kill Lazarus. So they decided, we're not just going to kill Jesus. We've got to kill Lazarus too. We've got to get this story taken care of because here's the thing. The crowds were getting so big that it was, it was starting to scare the politicians and the religious leaders who were really the same kind of people at the time. And here's the problem. The religious leaders didn't have the crowd. <laughs> They didn't have the crowd. And and if you've seen Hunger Games, you know what happens when a whole group of people who are oppressed and hurting start gathering together in crowds? You've seen Hunger Games, right? President Snow gets it in the end, right? And this is what happens, right, buddy? My son's going, yeah, Hunger Games. And this is the story of Jesus. This is exactly what happened. We had all these people that Jesus is coming around and he's saying, you know what? You shouldn't be treated like that. Hey, God has something more for you than what rome has for you and what the politicians are giving you god cares more about you than religious leaders do religion is not what god is after god wants you god wants a relationship with you he wants you fully he does not want religion and made religious leaders so mad but it was just kind of annoying until the crowds started gathering and the bigger the crowds got the more the religious leaders started going how are we going to take care of this guy what are we going to do just like the hunger games right what are we going to do this is getting dangerous by the way, if you read the history of the Hunger Games, they had some help in their story. Um, has a whole lot to do with the way this was written as well. There was a ho- that storyline plays out through history over and over and over again, where you cannot be treated, you cannot be treated like this. Oppressed people gather, and when they get in big enough groups, they do something about it. and And the chief priests made a plan to kill Lazarus, but they also made a plan to kill Jesus. Many people ask me this question as I've studied Jesus my whole life, and is it why did Jesus have to die? And my answer is this. He didn't. He chose it. He chose it. And in this moment, we begin to see that Jesus had the power to raise a, a human being. Now, whether you believe that or not, there's still a lot of stuff for you to dig into. And I give you all the books I'm reading right now and can help you with some of that from a faith perspective. But the, the people that were around believed that Jesus raised this dude from the dead. And if that was the case, now all of a sudden, the priests and the leaders have a whole new Problem, And the beginning of Passion Week, when Jesus rides into town on this little tiny animal and people are raising their leaves, and you know why they raised palm leaves? Because it's all they had. I mean, some of them took coats and put them on the ground and whatever they had with them, but they these people didn't have anything. And they said, this man... See, the government wanted you to believe that that they were going to save you, that they were protecting you, that they were your savior. But the group, this insurrection began to to raise up, and they begin to gather around Jesus. And at this point, when we see this story, there were at l- somewhere around a half a million people in Jerusalem. And now they weren't all there just because of Jesus. A lot of them there were be- there because of the, um, the Passover feast, um, which still happens in Israel. Um, and, and they were in there for this big party, and so they're just thousands upon thousands of people waving palm branches. And the chief priests and the teachers begin to say, and the politicians begin to say, we have got to do something. On account of him, many Jews are starting to go over to Jesus and believe. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took these palm branches like you saw this morning, and that's when they began to shout, "Hosanna! Hosanna! this man can save us. This man is what I've been looking for. So on Easter today, not Easter, Easter's next week. Getting ahead of myself. On Palm Sunday, I want you to know as I've prayed through this and thought about this today, that that story from 2,000 years ago is as true right here, right now, today as it was then. We all have different things. We don't have palm branches we're waving today, but some of you waved your Mercedes when you drove in. I don't know if there are any Mercedes in there. Some of you waved your jobs. This is what's going to save me. Hey, somebody, some, some of you brought in things that you believe will lead you to peace and hope and joy. And the same thing is available to you that was available to them, and that is the creator of the universe is available to you here and now. And it's the thing that leads you to peace. So as Jesus rode through town, these crowds followed him. That next slide there. These crowds included Jewish families. Families who had little kids all over the place who came for the festival. Jesus followers. These were people, these were people who were following Jesus. And I don't mean Christians, okay? They, there were no Christians at this point, right? So these were just Jesus followers. These were people who had decided that if they could follow Jesus, if they could just follow him around and do the things that he had said, things like, he would say things like this, ridiculous things like, you know, you hate your neighbor, you know, that guy that treated you awful? You know how much better your life would be if you could figure out how to forgive him? Just try it. And they would try it and they would teach their kids and they begin to live that way and they begin to follow Jesus around and just implement the things that he wanted to do. If you're trying to find out what God is and who God is right now, this is what I'm trying to do with my life is trying to figure out, what if I just implemented some of these things? You don't even have to believe. You just implement some of the things that Jesus said, some of the ways you treat people, and some of the things you do with life, and it begins to change you. These people were following Jesus because of that. Spiritually curious people. The chief priests and the politicians were following Jesus around because they were scared of what he was going to do. And then a group of oppressed and poor people started following Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 17. Now the crowd that was with them when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word, and more and more people came because they heard that he had performed this sign, and they went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, "Check this out." The Pharisees said to one another, "See, this is getting us nowhere." And what, I mean, what they mean by this is the, the plans that we have had to, to usurp Jesus, to go in to his meetings and say, ask him questions, and he just asks us questions back, and we end up looking stupid. It's not working. So. It's getting us nowhere. Look, and then look at this phrase. I love this. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Here's the truth about Jesus you can't ignore. The whole world is going after him. Trying to figure out who he is and what he is. A third of planet Earth next Sunday will be sitting in a church somewhere celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One Third of planet Earth. Do you think they knew that, man? <laughs> Do you think they knew that? Whatever you believe about Jesus, whatever you believe about God, whatever you believe, this is huge. This is enormous. There is something going on here that we can't explain just in a piece of Scripture. It's bigger than that. Why? Why has the world gone after Jesus? This is what I believe. This is what I believe you're after. This is what I believe I'm after. The reason... The world has gone after Jesus is one word. It's freedom. Right? Here's what I mean by that. Next scripture or next slide: freedom from death, freedom from religion. I don't know how many of you in here are dealing with illness right now. My the older I get, I got twenty fifth. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Twenty five year high school graduation reunion this year. Twenty five stinking years. And. This week, somebody said, "Hey, we're looking for so and so, so and so, so and so. We want to let them know we're inviting them to the 25th anniversary. You know how that happens." And on Facebook or uh, on Instagram, somebody said, "We're looking for these 25 people." And people started saying, "She died," "He passed away," "He's, he's in jail." This one passed away. This one's gone. This one's gone. And I started realizing, man, this death is coming close. My, the ones I love most are getting ill. I don't know if you feel this way right now. Maybe it's you. But there is this freedom from that ominous fear of death that God brings, that Jesus brings with him wherever he goes. This freedom from religion. Now, for some of you, if you grew up in, in church, he, Jesus may be the, the reason for your religion. He may have been this, this thing that made you feel anything but free. In fact, when I was growing up, if you have told me in the church I was in, that when I was in high school, that Jesus makes you free, I would have laughed in your face because the thing that Jesus was doing was constricting me from freedom. Like, well, I want to go out on Friday nights, but my mom says that Jesus says I can't, right? And Jesus is actually keeping me from being free, but the truth is, Everything that Jesus taught over and over and over again was against religion. He kept saying that religion to God is worthless. In fact, James says about Jesus, James is the brother of Jesus, which is amazing that James didn't believe in Jesus. You wouldn't either if he was your brother. You know? What would it take for you to believe that your brother was the son of God? You know, and It would take him dying and raising up from the grave, right? Which happened, and then James said, okay, I'm in. And when he was in, he said, let me tell you what God believes religion is. This is awesome. You want religion? Jesus says, this is what religion. James says, this is what God believes religion is. Take care of orphans and widows in their distress. This isn't what God considers religion. What he wants from you is to participate in the thing that he is doing. And that is listening for the cries, Hosiana. help. It's happening. It's happening in your life right now all over Bloomington. All over Bloomington, there is somebody on a street corner holding a sign. And you're responding somehow. You know what's interesting to me is that most of the religious people in Bloomington respond in the same way. Huh, probably going to use it to buy booze. I'm not giving him any money. Or stare the other direction. <laughs> Pretend you don't see him. Hasiana is the cry. And God says, it is our job as people who are followers of him, to participate in the thing that he is doing. And Jesus says, you are free from the constraints of religion. It's not what God wants from you. He, said, he begins to, to bring this truth to spiritual ambiguity, which I am dealing with right now in my life all over the place. Maybe you are too. What do I teach my kids right now about who God is and what he's doing? Jesus begins to say, you can be clear that you will see your loved ones once again when they pass from this earth. Do you know what that changed in people? He begins to teach about spiritual ambiguity and he begins to remove the sense of constriction from that insignificance. He says you can be free from bitterness and from oppression. And so we find out, I'm about done, just hang with me here as we close this thing out. Your kids are doing great, by the way. We find out that the Passion Week, this week when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, it wasn't about religion it wasn't about the world coming around to do some kind of religious ceremony, which, man, Matt, I don't know where Matt went. Matt, your communion meditation today is one of the best I've ever heard. I get tired of words we don't use outside of church trying to explain what we're doing here, but to just go, what are we doing? We're remembering, and we're, if we're not careful, communion and the songs that we sing, they all become religious ceremony that mean nothing to God because what he wants is our heart. Now, if we get our heart first and then we do that, Yeah. All in. But Jesus says the Passion Week, or as we see Jesus talk and as we see Jesus' life, we find out that the Passion Week is not just about the passion of Jesus, it's about God's passion for the world. It's the story that God is telling. And this is what we're trying to find out, guys. This is what we're trying to figure out in our life right now. What part do I play in God's big story? Who, is there a God that loves me? Yeah, I think there is. There's too many things in my life that keep, me, that, that keep happening for me to believe that there's not. But is religion it? And the answer for Jesus was it's not. And God's passion becomes seen in Passion Week. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about God's passion based on this piece of scripture in a minute. And then we're going to, I'm going to show you on Friday, I'm going to tell you a story about from the perspective of a person that you've probably never paid attention to in the Easter story. Um, And he doesn't even have a name. I'm going to call him Tim just because I think he needs a name. Um, And we're going to talk about him on Friday in his perspective. And then we're going to do that again on Sunday as we look at God's passion, which Paul says is this Ephesians chapter one, this is going to close us out today. Ephesians chapter 1, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, now the word Messiah is this word that means Savior. And I think Paul uses that very specifically because those people were walking around saying, save us, save us. The Messiah is the Savior. It's the one they've been looking for. His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, which was where he was headed when he got to Jerusalem. We're, he says, we are a free people. There's that word. We're free. We're free from penalties and punishment. Chalked up by our misdeeds. Doesn't that sound good? I got up this morning. There's this weird feeling when you're getting ready to speak on behalf of the Creator of the universe. <laughs> I got friends coming. I got family coming. I got people I haven't seen for a while. And I get up and I say, God, I don't want this to be about me. But all I can think about is, what am I doing standing on the stage? Like all the sin in my life, all the stuff in my life. And I remembered the, what I was preaching. <laughs> that it's gone. That those things are forgiven. And if we're not careful, we end there. And so Paul says, but that's not enough. Don't stop short. It's not just that. It's not just this idea that I'm, I'm going to go to heaven one day. I'm tired of that. I don't want that in my life, that feeling that I just want to go to heaven and I want to get out of here, you know? I, I want more than that. Jesus says it was more than that. And Paul says this, free of penalties. And then he says, I, and not just barely free either, not just a little bit free, not just barely, but abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything he could possibly need. And then he says this. Pay attention if if I've lost you here. Just bring back for a second because this is the point of Passion Week. God has a plan that he wants you in on. God has a plan that, that started at the beginning of time. Passion week was this enormous milestone in the middle of the plan, but Paul is giving us some insight into what God's plan is. And this morning, if you will listen to this and you will hear this, you will go, ah, I knew it. I feel it. I know what God's plan is. Here, here's what he says. He says this. He says, God had a plan. And he says, uh, he said he provided for everything he could possi- we could possibly every night, letting us in on the plans that he took such Delight in making. The English, the uh, Greek version literally sounds like God is doing this for his pleasure. Did you know that God God's plan is for his pleasure? He's somewhere, somewhere sitting, smiling at, at the plan that he has. And here it is. He set it all out before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything, everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything. Everything in the deepest heaven and on planet earth. Here's, here's the plan. Here's the, the original language says this. It says that God is retelling the stories that are happening in your life and the restory of Jesus. Here's the, in this language, it is so hard to understand. and I just decided I would tell you my own story. My dad does this so well. When he tells stories about things that happened a long time ago, and it's it's never the good stories. It's never the, that was the best trip we ever had. Those aren't the best stories. The best stories are, that was the worst trip we ever had. You know, you have stories like that when you went camping and, and it rained really hard and the tent flooded and everything. And all those things happen and they become these little milestones. And you tell the story and you get around with your friends and you tell it and everybody laughs. And the, and, and the things that were like, you know... Well, and then she threw up in the middle of the night because of the little Debbie she had. It be, Instead of her throwing up in the middle of the night, it became, she blew chunks and it was all night. And you, you get exaggerated with it. all your story, right? This is what God is doing with the story. Listen to this. Follow me here. This, I know this is hard. This is what God means by retelling, by his plan to take this story and retell it. He is taking the parts that seemed worse at the time. He is redeeming them. And he is saying... This is part of bringing everything back to right. All the things that are happening right now in my life are going to be retold so he can tell the story of Jesus dying on the cross and the worst parts become the most redeeming parts. The parts that were hardest to go through at the time become the most important parts. And in your life, the hardest parts, the parts you're most embarrassed by, the times where you seem the loneliest, God wants to retell. He wants to use your story as part of a bigger story where Paul says he's bringing everything back together. The people that were in Jerusalem that day that heard Jesus, that saw Jesus ride by, they used a word to describe God's plan. It was this word, shalom. Looks like that if you're taking notes. (laughs) Shalom. You've heard it before probably. And you've probably heard it as a greeting. People say to each other, shalom, shalom, shalom. But the truth is, this is a much bigger word in Hebrew. The bigger word means this, that, that God is bringing everything to this sense of peace. Everything back to peace. One of the things in that scripture that Paul says is that he's bringing it to heaven and earth. You know why he's saying that? You know, we've been to, we've been to space in a, in a spacecraft and we've never seen heaven. It's because the Bible doesn't say heaven is up. Heaven is here. This is where heaven will be. Earth is where heaven will be. And that's why we've got to take care of the earth. That's why we've got to take care of each other. That's why everything God is doing, it's coming to fruition, and it's coming back to shalom, back to peace. And Jerusalem, Jesus riding in Jerusalem, was the beginning of God saying, it's time for everything to come back to peace. He wants that for your life. And it's what, it's what Passion Week is about. This week, I'd love to give you an opportunity to take a deep breath. During the Passion Week, if you can, this week, tell, talk to your kids about it. Talk to your wife about it. Talk to your friends about it. What is it? What are we doing? What is an Easter bunny? <laughs> and why does it fit here? And, and if not, then what is Easter really? What is, who is Jesus really? And what would it look like? What would it look like in my life if I could look back on my life and I could look at the things that have been really bad. Whether it's things I'm not proud of or it's just things that happened to me. And I could begin to retell the story. I could begin to say, that was a milestone in my life that made me better. Made me closer to what God wants for me. Would you participate this week in the thing that God is doing in the world? Here's what God is doing in the world. He is taking all things. The word all things in Greek means skin. It means tree bark. It means you're dogs and cats. This is when people ask me if dogs and cats will be in heaven. This is where I go, you're going to see them again. <laughs> because God is redeeming all things. Anything he has built, he is redeeming. He is bringing it back to the way it's supposed to be. And you're included. So this week, I'm going to give you a deep breath that your story is in the middle of God's heart right now. And that it's part of what God's doing in this world to give you a chance today as the band comes up give you a chance today to just respond to him and the way we do it around here you know there's so many things that churches say at this point where they say you make a decision and they say the most important thing you can have is a relationship with Jesus did you know the idea of a relationship with Jesus is nowhere in the scripture like nobody there's no phrase that says relationship with God it's about 100 years ago that we used that phrase the truth is what God wants from you right now is to engage in freedom to say all right all right, that thing that you're doing where you're bringing everything back to peace, I'll have a part of that. You show me what I can do in my life to bring to that. If you just do that today, maybe during this song, maybe there's a moment where you close your eyes and you just say, God, I want to be a part of bringing things to the plan that you have for me. I want to pray for you this morning and give you a chance today to engage in the freedom. If you don't feel free today, if you feel constricted by bad decisions you've made, maybe there's some church baggage that you have i've had to kind of eject some of my church baggage because it was causing me to feel guilt and things that don't come from god whatever you got today you need to know that the passion week is about freedom and today is an opportunity for you to engage in it i'll give you a chance today i want to pray for you god we thank you for the way you love us God, this story that you have us all wrapped into, I hope I haven't messed this thing up for people today. I don't want to make it more confusing. I don't want to make it further from what they understand. God, would you make it clear to us today that we are a part of a story that you're telling that started long time ago with a milestone in the middle of it where Jesus came to do something that made us free. And now, God, would you take anything away from us, anything in our life that's keeping us from being free, anything that's keeping us from Um, being turned off, being removed from you in any way. Would you allow us to be free from that today? Would you move us closer to you? God, I thank you for giving me a chance to speak this week to my friends and my family and my loved ones, these people that, um, gosh, they're farther along than I am. I don't know what I'm doing up here, God. would Would you just take it all and add it to the plan that you have where you're bringing all things back to Shalom? We submit to that. We thank you for the calling you've given us. In your son's name, amen.